1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610 presents
2: The Outdoor Show with Captain Mickey Eastman.
0: Good morning. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show, our number two already on this Sunday morning. All right, let's head down to Port O'Connor. Let's check in with Captain Lynn Smith. See what he's up to this morning, Lynn. Good morning. How are you, Bud? Well, good morning. Good morning. What's just up? Another in POC? day in paradise. Yeah,
2: <laughs> just another day in paradise. Yep. Yeah. It, uh, I tell you what, the uh, the best kept secret on the Gulf Coast is no secret anymore.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: I tell you what, man. It, I think every uh, every truck and boat from Houston and Austin and San Antonio was in Port O'Connor yesterday.
0: <laughs> Goodness! You,
2: oh, gosh! Is
0: fishing that good down there to attract all those people?
2: No, it was a tournament of some kind.
0: Oh, I, I got you. It yeah, I don't it don't have to be good to have a tournament. They're going anyway.
2: No, no. And then next weekend is the Lone Star Shootout, so it's a, yep. a big offshore tournament. So that's a, it'll be a it'll be a zoo then, I'm sure. It will be be crazy. Of course, this used to be Poco Week, you know. Right. And then they cut out the poco. old
0: Poco man. That was around for a long time. That was. Oh yeah. That, that was, was a fun tournament, man. inshore and offshore.
2: Oh yeah. Well, they had the inshore too, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a, that was a lot of fun. That was a big tournament. Yes. That was a good one. That was a Walters Walters deal.
0: Walter Fondren. And, uh,
2: Yep, and uh, that was a that was a big tournament. I used to fish in it in the inshore division. Right, and it was a it was a lot of fun. But uh, we had a we had a lot of fun at that tournament. A lot of good fishermen fish that fish that tournament for sure. But uh, anyway, it was uh, <clears throat> it's very much missed. I guarantee you, a lot of the locals really missed that tournament. Yeah. But anyway, it's um it was busy yesterday. Boy, there were cars and trailers parked everywhere yesterday.
0: Mm.
2: It's crazy. Saturdays are getting nuts down here. It really is. I uh I turned on the T V yesterday and there was a oh it was a history channel or something and they were they were talking about uh, uh these big hammerhead sharks over in the right. Bahamas. I don't know if you saw it or not, they were they were looking at this uh shark uh oh I don't know what you'd call it, division or whatever, research uh division. They were looking for this one big hammerhead that said they, they had a name for him and they were trying to find him and all this and this one area that he hung out. And this guy was saying that they were looking for him and he saw a Stingray come out completely out of the water, you know, in distress. And the guy said, oh, man, it's something after him, you know. And and so the guy put on a snorkel and jumped in the water where the stingray was. And I thought, now, this is crazy. I mean, you know, something after this big stingray, about a four-foot stingray. And uh, sure enough, this big hammerhead was chasing that stingray. And he said there was a big chunk taken out of one of the wings of that stingray. Goodness. Well, it's big hammerhead was right behind him and the hammerhead they they didn't even know how big he was he said he was between you know about 17 or 18 feet long my goodness and he he took a look at the at the guy on in the snorkel and then turned and went over and grabbed that stingray and swam off with him
0: uh better the stingray yeah. than him right <laughs> he's right
2: rights and then never saw him again
0: but oh, they had a
2: name for that for that big hammerhead
0: well they had a big one you know at boca grand pass over in in uh, florida when we used to fish a redfish cup over there and they his name they named that shark hitler and mm-hmm. it was a I big one that. like that and uh, it man it was a tarpon eating machine they'd have those tarpon rodeos there at boca grand and yeah didn't he hang just...
2: out over there by one of the bridges or something didn't he
0: Man, he usually it was in uh, Charlotte Harbor, you know, you know, behind the pass there, where everybody tarpon fishes, and uh huh, boy,
2: I remember that. Let's go swimming. (laughs) Oh man, not me, buddy.
0: That's what Bo Johnson and them called that fish was uh, Hitler.
2: Oh, I know. Yeah, I remember them talking about that on TV about him. Oh gosh, he's big. I've seen some big ones in the Gulf. I have. In the surf, Man. my my dad and I years ago fishing out of Sabine Pass, and uh, we were out at one of the rigs, and we were hooked on the rig, and, and uh, my dad said, "Well, there's why the fish quit biting," and there was a big hammerhead. I mean, this thing was as big as the boat we were in. He was cruising around oh, the boat. Goodness. He'd go underneath the boat, and I just kind of stepped away from the gunnel. You know, I didn't want to fall overboard. I mean this thing was huge and uh oh he was a monster gosh big old greater hammerhead and uh years later <clears throat> I was living in Houston and working in Houston and my mother and dad uh, there in Port Arthur sent me a uh Port Arthur news newspaper article and uh there was a couple of guys fishing out there in uh I think the same place out right there at one of the rigs and and uh the fish quit biting, and one of the this big old hammerhead was cruising around their boat. And one of the guys oh. said, "Well, I'll get rid of him." Well, they dangled some fish in the water, and uh, some of their fish, and got that hammerhead to come up there by the boat. And uh, one of them took a paddle, <clears throat> and he just hammered that that hammerhead with that paddle, just hit him with a paddle. And of course, that hammerhead took off. Boy, just took off, splashed water, and took off. Well the guy was putting the paddle up and he was laughing about it. He said, Well, I got rid of him. Next thing they knew that hammerhead turned around and came back and attacked the lower unit of their motor. Wow. He attacked it. Well the the article, the newspaper article, had a picture of their lower unit with the scratches down the down the lower unit of their motor. Yeah, with the it. teeth marks on Te- it.
0: I've seen that uh-huh. before. I've seen I've seen lower units with bite marks, you know, the teeth marks scratched into the paint.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He stirred up a hornet's nest. (laughs) He did. He did. Yeah, I don't think I'd be doing that.
0: You know, we had one offshore one time, had a king on, and uh, the guy got it right up by the boat, and uh, this big, I mean, it had to be 12 12 foot plus. I mean, it was a monster hammer, and he Mm -hmm. ate that king and ended up getting hooked from that big uh, J-hook coming through the top lip of that king. It hooked into the hammer's mouth, too, and it starts just peeling line off. The rod broke, and then it went slack. The hammerhead turned to come back, and that guy started wrapping his hand around that line, and I'm screaming, no, no, oh. no. No. Get that line off your hand. And uh, he was wanting to get the rod where it broke and was slid down the line into the water. I said, no, get your hand up. Well, my deck end, uh reached over and grabbed a knife out of the holder there on the console and cut the line. I mean, that would uh, it would have ripped his hand off.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So man, absolutely. don't ever, <laughs> I mean, that fish is, and I mean, I, I don't know what that fish weighed. I know how long, you know, hammers don't weigh as much as other sharks because they're slimmer, but boy, they are, oh. they are aggressive. And when they want something, they're going to come get it. Oh, Absolutely.
2: Years ago, and my mother and dad and I were fishing the Sabine Pass jetties, and we were out there uh anchored up, casting up to the rocks. And and uh, there was one low place in the jetties, and uh the water was coming over that low place. And boy, right. the trout were really right in that spot, you know. And we were we were hammering the trout. And uh back then, you know, way way back then, we didn't have coolers with ice in them. We just we just strung the fish. We strung them over the side, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I had a stringer. We had, every time we'd catch a trout, we just put him on the stringer and shake him down that stringer, you know, and, uh, I had a trout and, uh, I put him on that stringer and I was shaking him over the side. And, uh, I was looking over the side, shaking that trout down on that stringer. And I looked over the side and all I could see was this mouth coming up uh. at the stringer. I mean, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Coming straight up at that stringer full of trout. And I just jumped back. <laughs> and that, that shark just hammered that stringer, boy. I don't know how big that shark was, but all I could see, I could still see it today. Uh all I could see was this mouth full of jaws. teeth coming up. Yeah, it was jaws. <laughs>
0: all those teeth with that big mouth opened up. That's uh... Uh-huh.
2: Yep. He was coming up after those trout boy. Woo. Man, you never forget a site like that.
0: No, no, that, uh, that, stayed, that stays in your memory bank right there. Boy, oh, it does,
2: man. man. Oh, man. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, you don't forget that site, man. But uh, but anyway, <laughs> but back on the good side, though, uh, fishing pretty slow, from what I understand. I mean, I'm sure that the trout are deep, there's no doubt about that. What my buddies I'm talking to, I mean, they're catching them on croakers, but uh, out deep right, but uh early, catch them early, or oh, it really heats up
0: that's uh seems to be the coast wide pattern,
2: yep, that's a fact, but it looks like we're back in that pattern where you know redfish are saving the day, yes, know? i mean it's a, that's what you're after now, that's a lot what's of red going fish. on
0: I, Redfish bites better than trout bite right now. And it's just absolutely and these southwest winds we just gotta get rid of, them, man.
2: I know. I know. Fortunately, you know, we can we can deal with the southwest wind here.
0: Yeah, you've got you've got some places, you got some nook and crannies and some protection for, yep. from it in your neck yep. of the woods. But Yeah, we do. But, but it blows right to down to the, you know, these long skinny bays, you know, like Laguna Madre, and then up here, you know, East and West Bay, it mm-hmm. blows right, right down the middle of them, Trinity Bay. Oh, I, I mean, know. it's uh, and, it, oh, and it's know. weird this year. The areas that we normally fish southwest winds on to get out of it, there's no fish in these areas like you know you expect, and it's mm-hmm. it's just making it tough.
2: Yep. Well, that's been the case here too. Uh, a lot of areas that have normally held fish that I like to wade, uh, they just haven't been there. You know, right. Since, since that freeze and uh, last year, and you know, I've, I constantly keep going back to areas that I'm used to catching fish on, and they just haven't returned. I mean, it's you know, since that a freeze
0: month. last year. You know, you everybody kind of kept it quiet, but I think we lost more fish in that freeze than we thought we did.
2: Yeah, I agree. I do and, agree.
0: You know, because the one in February of '21, I mean, we lost some fish in that one too. Don't get me wrong, but it didn't. Uh, it didn't kill some trees, you know, palm trees that I had, like the one last year. The one last year killed three of my big palms. Mm-hmm. When the one in February of '21 didn't.
2: Yeah, and then those mangroves out here, I mean, they haven't come back.
0: They hadn't? No. That's not good. No.
2: I've never seen that happen, you know, like that. But gosh, my. I mean, the worst freeze we've had was 83, and uh, that that was really bad. And uh, I mean, the Intercoastal was lined with dead. Yeah, pigs. that they was twelve.
0: That it. was twelve days of that. That was uh, oh, that was unbelievable. That was that, horrible. Uh, horrible. that was a killer. It was without was. a doubt. Let me do this break, Lynn. Hang on, I'll be right back at you, bud. You bet.
2: You bet.
0: Well, folks, if you've never been to the Belleville Meat Market, uh, you owe it to yourself. If you're ever up that way, give it a try. Check it out. It's a really nice place. This week, they're double-featuring double black pepper pecan smoked sausage and cheddar cheese pecan smoked sausage. You can try it before you buy it. Free samples are always available there in their store. And on special, they have fresh fryers for $1.59 a pound. When you buy three or more, that's whole uncut fryers. And they're now serving homemade hot dogs and pulled pork in their barbecue section. Hot dogs are available in original and cheddar and custom processing on pigs and calves, they do that all year long. You can actually order a half-calf or a hind quarter and have it processed any way you like. And their wild game processing facility, they make Vinnie dogs and hog dogs. That's homemade hot dogs using your own venison or wild pigs. You can bring something home from your hunt. The entire family can enjoy all year long. The Belleville celebrating 41 years serving the greater Houston community That's the Belleville Meat Market, where meat is our middle name.
1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610
2: presents The Outdoor Show with Captain Mickey Eastman.
0: Good morning welcome back to the sports radio 610 outdoor show 518 here in the bayou city all right Liam, we're back buddy you bet man yeah i'm i'm with you i think it uh it did kill a lot more fish than what we thought uh
2: you know uh i kept going to uh one of the one of the bays here that uh one of the guts that i like to wade one of the bars and uh that always had fish you know i'd wade this mm. one bar and, and work the edge of it and uh I'd work it with worms, topwaters, lilies, everything, uh, right. and always caught fish there, always. And it was just like it was dead. I mean, these fish just didn't want to return. And uh, I scratched my head to this day. I mean, I I couldn't figure it out. Now, slowly but surely, starting to catch fish there. But uh, but it's nothing like it had been. Yeah. You know, it's, it's I don't know. Uh, it, it's strange, real strange.
0: You know, really, really weird. Well, in but these areas, that's... you know, people don't realize a lot of these fish, where they're spawned and grow up and stuff, they stay within, you know, oh, a yeah. few miles of that area. They they stick with it. And uh, when you get an area that gets a kill like that, and if you get all of them, it it's, takes forever to get them to come back. And new fish have to move in and start reproducing in that area. And you know how it is. It just, oh, sure, It hurts.
2: They're resident fish, and uh, yeah, they don't leave. that Yes, area. you're right. It's like uh, you know, I, I think I told you I caught a tagged redfish one time that was, uh, one one of the, I've caught several tagged red redfish and trout here, but uh, they were, they were tagged by Parks and Wildlife. And uh, anyway, I was talking to one of the biologists here and uh, about this redfish that I'd caught in the area that I'd caught him, and uh, he had been uh, tagged. Uh, a year and a half prior to me uh, catching him and he had been tagged exactly where I caught him. He hadn't moved in a year and a half. How about that? Yeah. And uh, the biologist said, well, as long as they've got food, they don't leave. I mean, they just don't leave there. And it stands to reason. I mean, they, uh, you know, that's, that's why a lot of these redfish, these tagged redfish CCA releases, uh, They're caught within probably 100 yards of where they're released. I'm
0: sure they are. That's that's what I've heard, too. Same thing.
2: Yep, exactly. As long as they have food source, they don't leave there.
0: You know, years ago, I forget when it was. It was late 80s, I don't know, early 90s. They had this uh, tagging program, and there was about uh, 10 or 12 guides of us in Galveston Bay. Uh, Exxon sponsored it. And I'm trying to remember Dave's last name, the guy with Exxon that was involved with it with the CCA. Well, anyway, we got all these tagging kits and guns. And, man, I don't know how many fish we tagged. I mean, it was into the thousands because I, I think I tagged over a couple of thousand. I remember one day I tagged uh, over 200, me and Blaine and Ken Grissom. Remember him with a, with the uh, Houston Post? He was oh, with yeah. us on mm-hmm. that trip. And, but long story short, out of all the guides involved, there was one tag. Uh, that's how many fish we had back then. Only one tag was returned, and it was uh, uh, caught two years later, and it was tagged on Hannah's Reef, and it was caught again on ha- Hannah's Reef when you know, they retrieved huh. the tag. That's so amazing. That just tells you, you know, your resident fish, they just don't go far. And, you know, unless right. you get an event like a big flood or something and it pushes them, you know, uh-huh. pushes them out of their natural habitat and they just have to move south. But uh, yeah. a lot of times they'll come back, you know, if it's not a severe flood. The Harvey's what, it it just put our base system all out of whack. Oh, yeah. And then the two freezes, you know, 21 and last year, and crazy stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, these freezers—they—they they turn the the, the balance of the bay balance of the bays crazy. I mean, they—they're unreal. I've got a picture of uh, some guys that like went into Pringle Lake uh, right after the freeze, and uh, oh, they just—they picked up so many huge trout.
0: I saw photos that, uh, on on Facebook and Instagram oh, of that. Yeah, and just they just laid them on the
2: bow. They didn't keep them. Couldn't. Right but they laid them on the bow. It just makes you sick, you know. But those big fish get into those lakes like that, and, and they don't leave. They're not going to leave. And uh, they get caught in there, and they die. But, uh, you know, they're in there because it's uh, that that soft mud bottom with the grass, and, and that's where
0: they're going to stay. But well, you know, I get of... uh, in conversations and uh... – Somebody will always go. Well, why do y'all want to save all these fish and conserve this and that? When a freeze can come in here and just wipe them out? I said, Well, <laughs> the more you have, the the more you can lose and still have fish after that. Eighty three was a prime example of that up here in Galveston. I mean, we yeah. we got smoked too, but we had so many fish that uh, you know the following year and and. Eighty-four, it just, you know, we had just banner fishing because we had so many fish. If we lost half of our fish, we still had tons of them, and mm-hmm. uh, that's that's why you you try to conserve. Oh, sure, absolutely. But if well, you get your populations good. down low like they were already on the Texas coast, and you pull those two events like we did, and then the big floods up here, hey, you've uh you've decimated your bay system because you didn't have that many to start with.
2: That's right. You better know it. Well, you know, I went back into uh, some of the lakes, oh, about three days after one of the major freezes we had here, and uh, where we lost a lot of big fish out of out of one of the lakes. And uh, I jumped out of the boat with a buddy of mine, and we, we caught fish in there, solid fish, mm-hmm. but nothing like what we lost in the lake, you know. I mean, we lost some major, big fish. Uh, we still caught fish, you know, twenty inches or better, but nothing like what they what they picked up dead in there. And we we found a lot of dead fish still, like three yeah. days later.
0: Well, they so, get I trapped, mean, you know. That water drops with those severe winds, and mm-hmm. uh, they don't have an escape route. Nope. That's you know, right. They to can't our out. advantage up here, you know it. A lot of our fish, if you're already in that winter pattern, they're always set up on flats near deep water access. Down yeah. there y'all don't have that. And no, uh, we don't. That's why those tugboats do so much damage down at the land cut down, you know, past cliff down there, because all those fish roll off into that intercoastal. Oh yeah. And they're pretty well, much that's dormant as it is from the cold water, and then they roll them up and push them up in the shallows up there in that real severe cold, and it, it just kills yeah. them. It takes its toll on them. It's terrible. Well, that's what killed us. Killed us in eighty three was the tugboats, you know, right going down the
2: intercoastal. All our fish fell into that intercoastal, mm-hmm. and uh, boy, I, those tugboats just oh, just roll that water up, you know, just rolled them up right off the bottom, and uh, you could go down the intercoastal. And as far as you could go, it was solid dead trout and redfish on both sides of the intercoastal. My my goodness. It was was pitiful. It was sad. And, uh, of course, the tugboats aren't going to stop, you know. They're not going to stop them.
0: Money talks. Money talks. uh, (laughs) You better know it.
2: And you are not going to stop them.
0: The the worst freeze for us up here was the – the year we had two of them that winter. We had the December Christmas freeze in 89 and then yeah. that February in 90, you know, right after that. And right. uh, that's that's probably the toughest fishing I've seen for Galveston Bay ever was after those two events that winter. And, yeah. Uh, well, 89 was uh, bad here too. Yeah, it was. Like Y'all got smoke too. I mean, it. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, I never knew we had that many gar in the bay. It was so bad it took all the gar out. And, I mean, the shorelines were just littered with huge alligator gar. I mean, just unbelievable. Mm.
2: Yeah. Well, in 83, I couldn't believe uh, in that hard, hard freeze. I even found a dead tarpon in the mm. bay. Man. I was, now, you know, what? why was he sticking around? I don't know. Bay? How
0: big? Was it a big one?
2: He, he was about a four footer.
0: Yeah. That's, that's pretty mature. Yeah. Wonder why yeah. he was still in the bay in the winter time.
2: I don't know. No, no telling. No telling. But, uh, no, that was incredible. In 83. Uh, I, I came back from working overseas and, and, uh, I was going duck hunting with a buddy of mine and we were, we ran across the bay. It was six degrees down here.
0: Oh, six.
2: Lord. And, uh, I was holding a Q-beam. This buddy of mine was running (laughs) the airboat, and uh, we were running across the bay down there at South Pass, and uh, all of a sudden, man, we both looked, and he let off the gas, and it looked like that north wind had blown the water out of the bay. But what it was, it was ice. It was ice on the bay, 300 yards out into the bay. And uh, the boat would jump up on the ice and run on, on top of that ice and then break through the ice. It was the most huh. incredible thing you've ever seen. But then when we got back into where our blind was, uh, the uh, the ducks were just incredible because there wasn't any open water for them to yeah. sit on. So the airboat, we were breaking up the ice with the airboat, and those ducks were just swarming on top of us. Trying to get in that down. water. Oh, they were. They were sitting down all around us. Yeah, you know, they wanted to sit down and break.
0: rest. They did. They did. We and saw I, that in 83, big time, in our marsh.
2: Oh, gosh, it was incredible. But back then, too, you could you could kill uh, 10 pintails. Well, you know, they were a 10-point duck. Right. And uh, so we, we well, I jumped down in the airboat, and I grabbed decoys, and I started throwing them out, no pattern whatsoever. And uh, the ducks, the pintails, wigeons, and teal were just landing all around us. I mean, within probably 30 feet of us. I mean, it was incredible.
0: Duck on dream, baby.
2: (laughs) Oh, it was. You'd never seen anything like it. So we idled over to the blind, and and this buddy of mine said, promise me you won't shoot until I get back. I'm going to (laughs) run the airboat over here about 100 yards. So he did. He parked it, and I just stood there and watched the ducks just fall into the decoys like you wouldn't believe. And uh, he got back, and I said, okay, uh, let's only shoot pintail drakes, and uh, that's it. No hens. He said, "Okay." And it took us about twenty to thirty minutes to kill twenty pentail drakes. I mean, twenty it was sprigs, just,
0: baby. Bull sprigs. Oh,
2: buddy. Oh, man, it that's a, awesome. It was a duck hunter's dream, boy. Let me
0: let me do this next break, man. I'll be right back, Lynn. All right. All right. Well, I need to take a moment to tell everybody about Danco Sports Incorporated. They're an industry-leading manufacturer of pliers, knives, and accessories. For anglers worldwide. And Danco's committed to pro- providing affordable, high quality products to the fishing community with over 400 plier and knife options to choose from. Check out their premio pliers. These are the ones I use. They come in a nice leather sheath and they're just what, you know, they have exta- outstanding quality and performance. And no inshore or offshore boat should be without a pair of them or two. And they're solid machined and they have an integrated jaw crimper. Titanium, titanium cobalt cutters, and a lifetime warning. And no boat should be without Danco knives that come in a variety of sizes with a full-tang German stainless steel blade and Danco fillet knives. I like them better than the Butter Bubba blade, and they're half the price. Danco knives have a dual-molded grip for superior control while you're filleting your catch and the DuPont Teflon-coated blade. That's Danco Sports Incorporated. Do it with Danco.
3: the spring back into your step and into your home too shop blinds.com right now and save up to 45 percent up to 45 percent off for a limited time at blinds.com blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply
2: live from the Twin Peak Studios sports radio 610 presents the outdoor show with Captain Mickey Eastman
3: My
0: Maria don't you know I've come along. Welcome back to the Sports Radio 610 Outdoor Show, 535 here in the Bayou City. Okay, Lynn, we are back, bud. Yeah, Mick, uh, the next
2: day that buddy of mine and I decided we're, we're going to hunt again, it was too good a hunt. Right,
0: <laughs> got to before. go back, man. <laughs> we got to go
2: back. So we went back, and, and uh, we'd left the decoys out. So we uh, had to cruise around in the airboat to break the ice up and everything, and <laughs> we get back in the vine, and and uh, of course, the ducks are just falling in there on us, we're only shooting drakes and, and, uh, we lacked three ducks of having a limit and, uh, oh, it's cold. It's probably in the twenties, you know, and oh, oh, blistering cold, man. It, it's, oh, it's, it's horrible. North wind and It's cold. And, and, uh, when the sun got up pretty good, well, ducks started flaring on us and they flare and, uh, and we, we must've turned down a thousand widgeons. You know, we wouldn't shoot right. the widgeons we were waiting on pintails and, and uh, so I said, man, I said, it's cold. I said, uh, why don't we go ahead and just kill three widgeons and, and get out of here? <laughs> get out and of here. He <laughs> yeah, buddy, he I said, okay, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, let's go ahead and shoot three widgeons. I, and I sat there a minute and I said, do we shoot hen widgeons? And he went, hey, get a grip, man, come on. <laughs> 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 About that time, so a flight of pentails came in, and we knocked three drakes down, and, and we were out of there. <laughs> but. The, but but we realized we finally realized why those ducks were flaring on us, those decoys that we had left out, in that north wind, that strong north wind that was blowing, those decoys were dipping, and the bills were dipping in the water, and the ice had built up on those bills of the decoys. right And that ice was probably a half inch thick on those decoys. <laughs> and it was when that sun got up, you know it was, it was flaring them. Flaring the ducks,
0: right? They could that, see they could see that ice hanging off the bill like that.
2: Uh huh. It was flaring them. Sure was. Oh, that was a cold and miserable, miserable hunt. But boy, that buddy of mine said that's the best pintail shooting I've ever had in my life. I said, me too. I mean, that that's the kind of memories that, that stay with you for the rest of your life. You know.
0: Oh yeah, I'll never forget the misery we went through uh, hunting. You know, in the freeze of '83. Oh, oh, my yeah. goodness. But, I mean, but. everything was froze over, and those ducks were just, they were swarming the coast. Oh, I mean, God. I heard of stories. They they were seeing thousands of them just sitting in the Gulf of Mexico, you know, because oh, that but, yeah. water didn't freeze. And, uh right. But, man, them ducks would come in there, and they'd go to land on that pond, and they'd just slide on their butts across that ice. <laughs> I know it's you just I cut know. a path through them, <laughs> BBs oh, ricocheting sure. off the ice and everything. It was pretty wild. It was fun, man.
2: But you know, there's nothing like looking up and hearing hearing, you know, a hundred or more pintails whistling coming over you, circling. Come yeah, when they did. cup
0: up like that and make that final pass coming in, and that oh. I mean, it sounds like a a jet trying to land on you. Boy, that oh, uh, it does. It, it's, it's a fine, fine sound.
2: There's nothing like that sound nothing no not at all and same thing with the widgeons when the widgeons are doing that too I mean, it's just if there's somebody who's never heard that it's just oh it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up you know it is it is some sound that's what keeps you going going back it really does
0: well we were hunting the back of Trinity bay one time and one of them hot dog stand blinds one of them big conventional blinds Mm -hmm. and uh there's six of us in there and uh I mean, it was just a beautiful. It was perfect, you know. It was cold and sunny, and boy, them widgeons were eating us up. And we shot thirty-six Drake widgeons that morning. Oh, well, Full that was pretty strange. That that was made made the most beautiful strap of ducks. Thirty-six mm-hmm. drakes.
2: Man, that's pretty. That is a really good eating duck too. Uh, I sure like eating widgeons, yeah. but uh, they're they're a beautiful duck. You know, I went on a, on a dove hunt in Argentina one time and uh, the guy that, that put on these hunts in Argentina, he lives in Miami and he's a taxidermist too. And uh, he gave us a tour of his house and he had all these ducks from Argentina mounted in his house and they have widgeons and teal and pintails and mallards and all that down there, but they're a different strand of, of ducks. Right, they 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 look similar to ours, but they're not the same ducks. They don't migrate up here, right? But they're beautiful, beautiful ducks, fantastic looking birds.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And oh man, they have some color to them. They are really pretty birds. Boy, I'd love to have some of those birds mounted. Yeah, but man, they've got the color to them. Mm, beautiful. There's nothing like a real pretty widgeon or a, a real pretty teal or something like that. But, uh, man, they've got some pretty ducks down there. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and down in your neck of the woods, I always, you know, when I hunted down there a lot back in the day, uh, you always killed cinnamon teal, you know.
2: Oh, oh yeah. Well, we used to. I used to kill a lot of cinnamon teal in Port Arthur, you know, in the bayous, up the bayous, the freshwater bayous. With uh, when I hunted down there, we we killed a lot of cinnamon teal, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we did. But uh, now here, uh, not so much. But uh, but we we do have a lot of blue wings, no doubt about that. But as far as cinnamon, uh, I, I you'd have to go back in the, the freshwater little bay. Right, we used like to
0: kill that. them down there where the river came out. Uh, down there right. by uh, Keller Bay and all that.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, they kind of stick close to that fresh water more than anything.
0: Right. Or the Guadalupe comes out. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. We got to hunt that marsh one year. Uh, They called it the boggy marsh or whatever. We we got to hunt in there, Cody Adams and all of us, one winter. We killed a bunch Mm -hmm. of cinnamons. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty bird. Yeah, it is.
2: Oh, yeah. You better know it. Yeah, my dad started me duck hunting at a young age, man. I, I killed my first um, first duck. I think I was seven, <laughs> seven years old. But uh, and it was a greenhead. My first duck.
0: That was that was my son's first duck to kill. Was a greenhead. Is that right? Yeah, he. I started him out real young. I used to have have all kinds of trouble outfitting him with the right gear, you know. And, uh, uh, when we'd do a little timber hunting, I built a, uh, built it myself an inner tube, uh, where he could sit inside of it (laughs) and I could pull Uh him around when we'd stand in that timber and waste deep water hunting. And, uh, (laughs) he'd shoot one time and that tube would spin around on him and then he couldn't shoot again. (laughs) I'd tie him off to a tree and, uh, them ducks would come in and he'd shoot and that tube would spin (laughs) from the recoil Uh on that 20 gauge. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> well, when I was twelve, my dad got me a twenty gauge. He bought me a, a twenty gauge eight seventy Remington. I've right. still got it. Oh yeah, I hunted with that gun for years and years. And uh,
0: you can't you can't beat them. You know that's you best foolproof uh, pump there is ever. No, yeah,
2: that's that's a fact.
0: Old Remington Wingmasters.
2: Yep, that's a fact. Hard and to beat you, it.
0: You can paddle boats with them. You can do anything with that gun, and it still operate. Can't make can it mess hatch, up.
2: That's right. You can hammer fence posts with it.
0: That's it. You know. <laughs> Whip an alligator with it. No, that's a fact. <laughs> that's a fact.
2: Boy, I tell you, that's a good old gun, man. But uh, hunted a lot of stuff with it. But uh, anyway, it's uh Hard to beat. Hard to beat. But, yeah, uh, those
0: big blistering arctic blasts like that, when they freeze over all the water all above us and all those ducks ride that wind down to the coast and they get here, oh, yeah. you go, man, oh man, I didn't know there was that many ducks on the whole planet.
2: Isn't that the truth?
0: It just stacks them up along the coast. It's just incredible. Yeah. Nobody's ever seen friend, that. It's just, it's totally amazing.
2: I gave a friend of mine, uh, uh, his wife is a dog trainer and, uh, I gave her my uh, my duck call with the, the bands on it. And uh, I've got, I had goose bands and duck bands. Right. I actually had three three bands, uh, dove bands. I'd kill three doves with bands on them.
0: Banded doves. Uh, yeah, I had
2: uh, two, two white wings and one uh, morning dove that were banded. And uh, that morning dove that was banded, uh, was killed in, uh, I mean, was banded in North Dakota. And, uh, I killed that morning dove in uh, right outside of Orange, Texas. And, uh, I think he'd been banded about three days prior. Yep. Three days.
0: I killed speckled belly one time in the Winnie area. I called him Mr. T. I Uh, I think old Louis Dell Holmes and, uh, Travis Leach were hunting yeah. with me. That party uh, that morning, and a uh, bunch of speckle bellies. We called them in, and uh, one broke off on my end, and I I dropped him, and he had a neck collar and a and a band on each leg. I got three bands off that, a collar and two bands. <laughs> I'll be darned. And that that goose was uh, eleven years old.
2: Oh my goodness,
0: man, uh, man, he'd been. Uh, Banded and and, uh, neck-collared in the northern Arctic. Hmm. Hmm. Way up there.
2: Oh, yeah. Man, that's that's something. Yeah, I I killed a goose that was banded in uh, Northwest Territory. That uh, They said he was too young to fly when he was banded. Really? Yeah. Too young to fly.
0: That's amazing, those flights they make all the way down here like they do. Some of them fly nonstop. They'll get in that jet stream and just come all the way. I remember Mm -hmm. when them geese had hit our place and hit those water-level fields. They'd just uh, land and sit down on the water and sit there and drink and drink and drink, and then they'd just go to sleep. Wore out.
2: Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. I remember many a night in Port Arthur laying there. In my bed with the window open, listen to the geese coming in.
0: Boy, you just don't hear that anymore. I used to do the same thing at my house. Man, those just just waves of geese coming in all night long. Mm-hmm. A call of the wild.
2: I used to lay there and listen to it, boy.
0: That's when I, like you. I make can't, sure all can't my hooks were ladder. sharp on my mirror lures and everything else, man. Because when them geese started pouring in, that trout fishing is fixing to get real good <laughs> for them big boys. Boy, oh yeah. Catch some big fish.
2: Oh yeah. Well, you had it made, man. You, uh, we were. I was talking about that to a buddy of mine here the other day. I mean, y'all had it made. You had the real deep water in Galveston,
0: right? You know, y'all
2: had y'all had the, the chance of a lifetime right there. You had the deep water, and so that's why you had the big the big trout. Uh, over there, you know, y'all had a lot of big trout there.
0: We did. Yeah. People don't realize how many big fish this bay held back in the day.
2: Oh, you did! You I mean, did. herds
0: of them. I mean, it was yeah. uh, it was incredible. You get on open water school in the summertime, and just it was nothing to you know. There was days where you would catch twenty five to thirty fish over seven and eight pounds out of one school.
2: No, oh, that's crazy, crazy.
0: Well, I oh. mean, I think we had a flood in eighty three. And we had a stack up on the east shoreline in Trinity Bay. And everybody and their brother was over there waiting. We had lineups. I don't know how many fishermen in them. You know, people think there's a lot of fishermen now. There was nothing like it was then. And th- those waves of fish would come when that outgoing tide would bring that fresh water down that shoreline. they'd all move from double bow to Smith Point. And everybody's in a lineup. There'd be 100 guys as far down the shoreline as you could see and every rod bowing up on them big fish. And uh, then the tide would turn around and come in. They'd turn around and come right back through you again. You could fish all day and just, you know, five pounders and up till you're sick of them on mirror lures. We didn't even mm. know how to fish back then like we do now. And mm. uh, then that river really rampaged and it, and it flushed it out. So... Me and Gene Campbell and Blaine decided, Hey, let's go to East Bay. I think you know, all the sports riders were writing about oh, they're all gonna end up at dollar flats and all that, which some probably did, but uh we said, no, nah, I think they're gonna turn the corner and go around Smith Point and go up that north shoreline East Bay. Well we hit it right. We went over in Blaine's little 018 Hydra Sport and uh we put in an oyster bow and come out of the back and we made a few wades down the north Shore line and caught some reds and a few trout and all that. And we were running farther towards Smith Point, and the smell hit us. And out on Deep Reef, if there wasn't 200 slicks on that reef, <laughs> I'm lying. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, the whole whole reef was just a solid slick. There were so many fish on it. We pulled up in the middle of them, no trolling motor, nothing. And everybody threw out and bowed up, and Blaine slid the anchor over we sat there. We had uh, we had our thirty reds because you had ten reds back then a piece and twenty trout, and we had uh, three legit trout over nine, and I think uh, thirty over eight, and all the red. I think the smallest trout we had in the box was like a six fourteen. It was absolutely oh the most unbelievable catch. Well, Blaine's little boat wouldn't even get on plane. Oh, my God. <laughs> Me and Gene had to sit on the bow and lay over the front of it so he could break it over with that 140 on it back then. Oh, and, oh my uh, gosh. So we'd come in, and we went to Crawley's, and Jerry Crawley said, I've been on this bay all my life. He said, I've never seen a catch of fish like that in all my life. Those fish were stacked. I mean, it was just the mother load pushed around into East Bay. It was crazy.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: I mean, that went on all year. And it was, you know, it was like all those fish were suicidal that year. They knew that freeze was coming that winter. Uh huh. Just unbelievable. Behind rollover, it was it was exactly the same. Behind rollover pass, anywhere you want to wade back there, just giant fish swimming everywhere. It's crazy.
2: Mm-hmm. Man, oh man.
0: Weather man, oh, man. means It's like these fish know way ahead of time before we ever yeah. do. You know. They They react to it, just like wildlife. You know how that works. Mm
2: -hmm. Oh, sure. Well, they were stocking up. They were fattening up, getting ready for the freeze. Yep, that's right. Speaking of that, I wonder how the deer are taking this heat, you know.
0: They're some tough animals. You know, we were talking about that the other day, how tough those South Texas deer are. To, mm-hmm. you know and you'll see it in the winter time when it gets real cold down there those deer don't want to move they don't want to come out they don't like that cold because they no. get so accustomed to the heat all year because it's always warm down there even in the winter and oh yeah uh, but you talk about some tough animals
2: huh. i'm telling you yeah i tell people all the time you know they're talking about hunting colorado and all that and i go heck down here in south texas uh, I, many a time, I'm I'm hunting at Christmas Day in a T-shirt, you know. Yeah. I guarantee you, T-shirt and shorts, flip-flops.
0: I go down <laughs> there know? for my birthday every year, and you got to pack for winter and summer, you know, the clothes oh, yeah. you take. You may oh, have a 35, 40-degree morning, and then that afternoon it's 80 degrees.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. South Texas is a whole nother world, man. It first is. First time I ever hunted South Texas, uh, I went down to uh, Raymondville. Right. And hunted down there with a buddy of mine. Uh, he was uh, he was a roommate of a good friend of mine that went to Texas Tech. And uh, he invited us down there to hunt with him. And I said, man, I said, how could a deer survive down here? I mean, look at this brush. Well, goodness, man, when the first time I saw a buck down there, I went, oh, my goodness. I mean, look at this deer. <laughs> I
0: mean,
2: good grief, what do they eat, you know? But, man, oh, man, South Texas grows some deer.
0: It I really guarantee. does. It's, uh, you know, the high fences have changed it quite a bit, but uh, it's uh Oh, yeah. So well, this still... was
2: back before high fences. I mean, you know. This... Yeah,
0: that's that was the time to hunt South Texas because, man, those oh, deer got man. to roam. When the rut was on, those deer traveled from ranch to ranch on hot does.
2: Oh, they did. Yeah, they they do.
0: Now they pin and them nice. up against a high fence; <laughs> they can't get away. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> makes mating season yeah. a lot easier for them big bucks, man. Well, you know oh, that well. that
2: ranch that we hunt there at uh, George West,
0: <clears throat>
2: they um, those big bucks that um, and we see them, you know, trail cameras and whatever. Um, they'll get on a hot doe, but those those bucks will travel maybe between oh two or three different stands you yeah. know they're running those those between two or three different stands and they stay right there they don't they don't run very far you know but they may they may travel a mile yeah. to a mile and a half diameter that's about it
0: it just depends on the doe they've that's got correct. one that's yeah. that's that's just about ready wherever she goes that's where they're going to go and most exactly. time, those does they're going to stick stick around the feeding area where they can get food and more energy.
2: Yeah, You keep those protein feeders filled and uh, keep those corn feeders filled. As uh, long as they got feed, they're not leaving. And uh, right, and they just travel in a circle. And they're they're working those feeders, and uh, I mean, those bucks will be chasing those does around, and the dough will stop time enough to eat a little bit, and then they take off. You know, exactly.
0: Running. That's it. Well, you're. You'll Don't watch stop. The stop. I'll, I'll watch a good buck, and he'll be on a doe, and she'll come out and send there and start eating, and he's hiding. A bra- well, he thinks he's hiding, and uh, uh-huh. he'll be watching her, and then finally he'll get brave and step out there. I said, "Don't reach down and take a bite of that corn. I'm fishing to lay you down, buddy. <laughs> you better keep yeah. moving." Yep. Uh huh. All right, Lynn. Yeah. I got a roll, man. It's already time for the top of the hour. If uh, somebody wants to call you about coming down and fishing with you, or or doing a hunt? Did you fill those packages that you had? Those two, uh, not yet. Four man Not deals? yet. Well, we've got. Yeah, we've put got a number got, out on that.
2: Yeah, we've got. A, uh, still got a couple of hunts that uh, available, so uh, uh, they can definitely do a management hunt. So uh, anyway, uh, they can reach me at 361-935-6833. All six eight three three.
0: All right, buddy. Well, Lynn, you have a good one. Always a pleasure talking to you, and you be safe, man. Stay cool All if right, that's man, possible.
2: He- Oh, I'm trying to. <laughs> Got you, <laughs> All right, brother. You too, man. All right, Have a good one.
0: See you, man. All right, take care. All right, All right, it's time for the top of the hour break. You're listening to the Outdoor Show here at Sports Radio 610. National Anthem coming up. We'll be right back.
1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.